0: Jennifer Martin of Hempstone, welcome to Hemp Barons today. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You're the awesomest. <laughs> ah, you would know,
0: girl, because of my favorite Uh product and the listeners know of all the thousands and thousands of products that can be made from hemp and all of its many parts hempcrete is the nearest and dearest to my heart and one of my favorite scents on the planet besides langy lang and cannabis itself growing is the smell of curing crete. yes it is <laughs> it's delicious And it is delicious. Miss Jennifer, you and Tom, who I met uh, some years ago in Boston at a hempcrete workshop, just a a basic hempcrete 101 workshop, uh, and Hempstone are really taking the natural building world and certainly hemp building world by storm. Can you talk to us um, about how you decided to come to hemp from really decades of uh, uh, being at the top of your career in natural building?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just want to point point out that you were the introduction for Tom to hempcrete and the the world just continues to go around. There was another connection made at that same workshop that has bared fruit this year at Cape Cod, which we'll talk about later. But let's start with uh, my history. So I joined uh, the world of natural building in the late 90s after having um, an foray into the architecture world as a college student and realizing that it wasn't for me. I felt like I was being asked to design with one eye closed and one hand behind my back. There was not really a good connection between design and building. And I also didn't feel comfortable with the idea of using significant resources for buildings that were fashionable. And so sort of skewed the whole concept of architecture and lo and behold, I found a tri-pendium book set by Michael Reynolds, who's an architect focused on natural building and his book set described how to build a structure sustainably all the way from uh, the materials that you're using and and including things like how to build the windows and how to make doors and how to make bathtubs and even toilets and cisterns and it was a thoughtful introduction to sustainable architecture from start to finish and it blew my mind opened my world and i said yes so i i I sold my house put my kids, I had three kids at the time, and put my kids uh, in a 21-window Volkswagen bus, and we went around the country looking uh, for natural building. And at the time, natural building was uh, not really embedded in the mainstream at all. The only way to really play with natural building was to go with counterculture. So we went to intentional communities and learned about natural building by doing. And so much so that eventually I ended up moving to one of those intentional communities called Dancing Rabbit Eco Village in Rutledge, Missouri. And I spent 12 years living and working and playing on building a sustainable community from the ground up. When I moved there, there were 18 people and in its peak, it had a little bit over a hundred. It now sports almost 50 natural buildings that have been built by thousands of people literally. And I was proud and honored to be a part of many of those projects, either by sharing ideas or literally putting my hands in them. and. That experience was pretty darn magical. It let me live in a very idyllic environment where everyone was focused on sustainability. We didn't have to have hard conversations about material choices. We were very committed to, through our covenants and our ecological principles, To using what was on the land, what was nearby, what was reused. And it kept things pretty simple. It wasn't always easy, sort of like carrying your own water isn't always easy, but it's simple. So building out of the clay that we dug out of the ground in order to put our our foundations and using the straw that came from our neighbors and using the waste timbers that were coming from the manufacturing facilities. Like that's what we built. That was our palette of natural building materials. We used cattails and we would go next door and get cow dung and use that in our finished plasters. And that was our world. Um, So I was very steeped in natural building for all those years. And in 2016, we came out of that enclave and into the wider world. And I, I, and and what I noticed was that what I had thought or experienced about natural building being counterculture was still true, but that was changing. And it really hit home back in 2019 when I was at a con- um, a conference on high performance building and the keynote speakers were three natural builders talking about how the use of materials is the next um, frontier in terms of how to be more sustainable. We've done a really good job thinking about how we use energy in buildings once they're built. But up until this point, there was only probably a few handfuls of people or a very small percentage of people that were really thinking about the impact of the materials themselves on the total carbon footprint. And that really changed in 2019 that those same three natural builders ended up doing a whole circuit around the country. They went to lots of different conferences, talked to people in the U S green building um, council group in the living building challenge group in the passive house communities in all of the major construction industries and said you know if we're going to be thoughtful we need to be thoughtful from the beginning to the end just like michael reynolds had said in his three book compendium and that really launched me that gave me real hope that the the wider construction world not just alternative culture but the wider construction world is really listening and that momentum has continued to build so much so that we are hempstone. We only really focus on hempcrete at this point. And we are busy because people are very interested in natural buildings, in carbon beneficial materials, in thinking about things differently. But there's, it's still very much a learning curve for everyone because the fundamentals of building naturally are different than building with plastics.
0: So much so and and just wow and and I want to backtrack for just a moment and and to just share with the audience you know i got I got emotional when you were speaking, I got chills up and down my legs and up through my arms when you talk about Becoming inspired by something you're learning, and packing up your kids, and getting in the car, and moving forward—that's what time it is, everybody. It, it, and for you, Jennifer, that was in the late '90s, and and for me as well. I opened up, you know, the first hemp store in the state of New York. It was too early; it didn't last long. Um, but but what I'm talking about here is. There is no point in living on the planet Earth if you do not have a purpose. We are here. Figure out why you are here. And when that purpose hits you, and it lights you up, and it gets into your DNA, and you know, and you are inspired, just go all in now don't give up the day job you know if you if if that's going to put you in a terrible position but the point is you, you I just know what it means to when hemp hit me sister it hit me like a ton of bricks it got into my DNA somehow and it it altered the trajectory of my entire life and it sounds like that's what natural building did for you too and just Precisely. If I'm getting, oh Encourage listeners to now is the time more than ever. We're in the midst of so many different revolutions, consciousness revolution, industrial revolution, agricultural revolution, construction revolution, all of it, all environmental revolution, all happening at once. It is the time. What an inspiration you are. Oh, my God. And I had no idea about uh, the years that you uh, had spent in Missouri. Just so fantastic. We're so lucky to have you in hemp. I'm glad
1: to be here. <laughs> oh,
0: God, we are so, and and you know, and just, and, and such an important leader, of course, on the board with U.S. Hemp Building Association and, and on those committees. Now, for a moment, before we go on, because it's it's so funny, and I, I when I moderate panels and even do interviews, et cetera, and I say, you know, why, why hemp? And we talk about the environmental reasons for it and, and all of those, but I always really want to focus on, the performing aspects so let's talk for a minute let's pretend hempcrete didn't have anything to do with the incredible renewable natural resource that it is the fact that it lasts hundreds of years let's talk for a moment about the performance of hempcrete as a construction infill hempcrete folks if we could go back and rename it we might consider it it sounds like it's concrete it's not it is an above ground daylight Construction infill, essentially an insulation made with hemp herd, that inner woody core of the hemp stock, Water and a specific type of lime, um, or limeza. Uh, there's there's some interesting <laughs> things there. Um, yes, there but are. don't don't go to don't go to Home Depot and get yourself agricultural lime and think that that's going to make your wall. That isn't. But it's very simple. Three three parts essentially. If you want to add some some you know uh, things to make it dry faster or harder, do do wherever you are in the planet. That's one thing. But the bottom line, it is a construction infill. Can we talk for a moment, will you share with the listeners its performance as an insulation in comparison to traditional
1: construction materials? Sure, and um, I will then go on to explain about why hemp and why hempcrete because there is something pretty magical about it in terms of shifting from Uh, a traditional natural building material, which doesn't really work in our production model, that is pretty different for hempcrete. So that's pretty exciting in terms of scale. So what is hempcrete? Hempcrete is an insulation and uh, walling mass that basically takes up the entire Thickness of your assembly. So if it's a wall assembly, it's going from the inside finish face all the way to the outside finish face. Same situation with a roof, except for you can maybe add a little bit more insulation before you put your roofing material. Um, And so what does that mean? Hempcrete is a medium density material. So it's not like all of your other dumb, simple materials. And I say dumb only because. Like for example, let's compare it to cellulose. I love cellulose. Uh, Cellulose is a recycled material that is using paper and uh, a borate in order to fill. And it is dumb only simply because it, it performs one function and that is to restrict the amount of airflow and heat transfer from point A to point B, which is on one side of the face to the other side of the face. It doesn't have to do anything else. Its job, it perform it performs its job super simply well. It's really cheap and it's a recycled material. It's got a lot of good things going for it, but it's a lightweight material. Hempcrete is not a lightweight material. It is a medium density material, which means it is combining the principles of both insulation and thermal mass. And this is pretty different because most of the buildings in the United States are stick built buildings. And we don't have thermal mass. This is different in different parts of the world. Um, Some, if you have a very concrete or earth-based wall assembly, then you have a very thermal mass heavy, uh, thermal uh, assembly. And so thermal mass and insulation work all together differently. However, Hemp Creek combines both of these principles. And so you get the benefits of both. Let me back up and just say, so in a concrete block building, for example, that's filled with concrete inside the cavities of the block, all you have is thermal mass and no insulation. So what that does, a thermal mass will absorb heat and then radiate it out at night. But if you only have thermal mass in a cold climate, you are constantly fighting the one side of the wall is is moving the cold and the other side of the wall that you're trying to heat is moving the uh the heat back and forth and so it's absorbing and then radiating it out and so it can be it's it's it can be challenging to um to heat a thermal mass building in an extreme climate so particularly where i live i live in new england so we have hot summers, and we have cold winters, and we need a material that can support both of those. So one option is, of course, a simple insulation material that only is keeping the restriction of heat transfer from point A to point B. But that means as soon as you stop heating that indoor space, it doesn't have any capacity to store the heat. So it isn't moving things back and forth, but it's not doing you any good. That's why I call it dumb material. It does the one thing really well. It requires either passive solar or it requires um, a, mechanical ventil- or a mechanical system to heat it. So now let's talk about hemp creek. So it's doing, it's got a little bit of thermal mass and it's got a little bit of insulation and it does both of them. So what's the effect of that? Well, the effect is actually really interesting. It um, stabilizes the temperature, even when the outdoor is a significantly different temperature than the indoor. So it's taking the heat. Let's say that you're mechanically heating a space and it's cold outside. It's taking that heat, it's absorbing it, and then after you turn off your mechanical system, it slowly radiates that heat back out to you while also insulating from having that cold air coming into the inside. So that's significant
0: it's so much so and just just to seize on that for a moment and and i and i so appreciate knowing the intellectual heady gal that you are that you are using layman's terms so all of our listeners can understand these concepts and and i and i don't know why i'm sitting here wanting to wanting to just sort of elaborate on that what you just of course explained is thermal conductivity which is the ability of thermal energy or heat to be transferred through a material, and thermal capacity, which of course is the amount of heat required to change that material's temperature by a given amount, or how, how what is the capacity of this material to store uh, that thermal energy? And then we're, we're talking about thermal inertia or diffusity. And, and so thermal conductivity, and, and they're difficult to reconcile. That's what you're saying. That's what's so amazing about hempcrete is we're talking about thermal conductivity and thermal capacity are, are very difficult concepts to, to work together, yet, yet hempcrete absolutely allows that. So the thermal conductivity and the thermal capacity determine the thermal inertia. And a material has to have high thermal capacity, and low conductivity to have good thermal inertia, to hold that thermal energy. And that's what we're talking about with hempcrete. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's more. Let's hear it, girl. So so now we've talked about thermal mass and we've talked about insulation. And the, the other piece that's really important to talk about is hempcrete's ability to absorb and release moisture and that's called, um, it's hydroscopic properties. And so it is a hydroscopic material, it likes to absorb moisture and then release it again over time and And i
0: just ask and just one more thing uh, one other term that because i use high in in fact i used to have to practice in front of of the mirror hygroscopicity 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 so i could finally say that darn word without messing it up but other people may understand and correct me if i'm wrong or getting ahead of my skis here jennifer the term vapor permeability is there Excellent.
1: Yeah. OK, thank Ex- you. absolutely. So when we're talking about vapor permeability, we're talking about the ability for hemp to allow moisture from one face of the assembly to the other, because, again, we're talking about a monolithic assembly. It's the same material all the way through. And what this means is that in high humidity conditions, the wall will absorb moisture without so the thing that's really important to remember is it's absorbing moisture, not water. It's, a, it's, a, it's absorbing vapor, not water. So it's really important to not think that your wall is taking in water and then it's saturated. That's not what I'm talking about. When you're talking about humidity, you're talking about all the steps of vapor until you get to the point at 100% relative humidity where there's actually liquid water. So everything up until that point affects your comfort. If it's 30% humidity and 70 degrees, it's very different than 90% humidity and 70 degrees. And imagine if it's hotter, if it's 80 degrees, you want it to be as low humidity as possible. And there's also some dynamics around health here in terms of what's the amount of humidity that is appropriate uh, and best for humans to live in. Optimally, that's somewhere around thirty or forty percent. We don't want it to get much higher than that because then we start to um, have mold issues uh, and other bacteria and stuff like that. Um, and so, uh, so we have a material that absorbs humidity from its environment and releases it over time. And it does that very safely. And it does that safely for two reasons. One, both the hemp and the lime are hydroscopic, meaning they absorb the moisture. Um, The lime in the hemp is, uh, the lime in the hempcrete is also uh, mold resistant. So as that moisture increases, it's not like we're experiencing rot or we're building up mold. It's it, Lime itself is a mold inhibitor. It's basically calcium carbonate, which is um, crushed up shells that have been heated. So it's not growing anything. And the hemp itself is also exceedingly resistant to rot. It is a very strong fiber or um, um, fibrous plant-based material that can absorb a significant amount of moisture without any damage for a prolonged period of time. And so you have a wall assembly that is absorbing moisture and taking the humidity out of an indoor space and then releasing it into the environment when the relative humidity around it has decreased. And so it has some interesting effects on human health. It keeps the humidity at a lower indoor threshold which is more comfortable it's even when it's at a higher percentage of humidity itself it's not growing any of those um, bacteria or molds and it also takes moisture out of the other um, adjacent materials that are more um, vulnerable so what we notice is that it's keeping the, if, if there is um, wood embedded in the hempcrete, it's taking that moisture from the wood and keeping it from rotting, because interestingly enough, soft wood is more vulnerable than hemp, especially when coated with every single, the other thing to remember is every single little piece of hempcrete is coated in lime. So it's got a little protective layer of lime on every single coating or every single piece of herd. And so you end up with a um, very robust wall assembly that is stable and supporting of indoor temperature and indoor humidity over time in a very consistent way.
0: And so it's just so I I can't believe I'm going to sit here and be inarticulate about it. We're talking about a construction infill, a a building material here that is mold resistant, rot resistant, we're gonna talk in a second about its pest and fire resistance, offers the optimal indoor air quality is what we're talking about as well. Uh, The energy efficient to talk, to say that a hempcrete home turns into a a smart home or a smart income home um, is an understatement because with a thickness of walls and you will please uh, massage anything, I may be misspeaking here, Miss Jennifer. uh, We normally say a, a 12 to 18 inch wall, depending on how close you are to an equator or a pole, so more extreme temperatures and really good windows is going to generally leave your home with an interior ambient temperature of somewhere around and you will correct me of anything that needs to be massaged here somewhere around 60 degrees fahrenheit year-round without a heating or cooling system could you please elaborate and or correct anything on that and then talk just a little bit about the pest and fire resistance of this incredible material that lasts hundreds of years
1: Sure, no problem. Um, you have hit the hit the nail on the head in that it is a high performing structure. And I'm going to back up and give give a comparison. So, in conventional construction, stick built construction, where we're building most of the houses that you see today, they are built to different standards, obviously, and. If, you start, if you're looking for a high-performance building, basically the, the route that we're going is to build it as airtight as possible using plastic. And basically, you build a house and then you wrap it in plastic. And your goal is to make sure that you wrap it the, with the, the plastic in the right place so that you don't rot the building. This is the, this is the key tenet of how to build a high-performance building. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep air infiltration from going in or out of the building and in that way you're building a very high performance building that can maintain a consistent temperature but i you notice that i said the one point about you're wrapping it in plastic and then you hope you put the plastic in the right place remember when we talked a little bit earlier about vapor permeability So that the assembly that I just described, the conventional assembly, is not a vapor permeable assembly. It is a assembly that is designed to manage where the moisture is going to be in the wall based on the climate and the use conditions. Now, let's think about that for a second. We live in a changing climate. So where I'm building now is going to have a... I live in Western Massachusetts, and in 30 years, I'm expecting Virginia-like weather. So if I'm building a vapor-closed assembly, putting plastic around a building to try to make it that consistent 60 degrees year-round without putting a, um, a lot of energy into it, then I'm relying on knowing where to put that plastic barrier in a changing environmental condition. To me, as a builder, that feels dangerous. And so, and I'm also a proponent of natural building, to be, you know, to be fair. Um, but, but all natural buildings are vapor, well, all natural building assemblies, whether that's straw bale or hempcrete they're, or even rammed earth, they're all vapor permeable. And their principle is thousands of years old, you allow the moisture to move so that uh, the assembly is a safe assembly, even in changing conditions, even in imperfect design or construction. So I want to, as a builder, I want to build a safe building. And I know that all builders want to build safe buildings. They don't want to have a call five years from now or 20 years from now and say, my building's rotting. Um, But unfortunately, with climate change, this is something that we have to be thinking about. And so high performance builders are having to think about this. And we're start and and we're we've done a really good job. I want to back up and just say for a quick second, we've done a really good job in what I consider a risk averse industry to change um, to allow high-performance building to enter code, so now we have, depending on where you live, where I live in in Massachusetts, we have to have, and all new buildings must have an air, um, um, an air tightness test, and we must meet at least three air changes. Per hour at 50 pascals or less in order to be commissioned and allow new pe- people to actually live in that building. So that what, I, what that means, it's a lot of jargon to just say that we are demanding through our codes now that we build a building that has a certain level of air tightness, so a certain amount of tightness and holding in heat and moisture. And we do that in a changing climate, and we have done that pretty quickly in terms of code. And mostly people are doing that with a vapor-closed assembly. But you take those same requirements of three air changes per or less of air tightness, and you have a vapor-open assembly, and now you have both the benefits of a, a, an airtight and um, low-energy house, but in an assembly that makes sense and can adapt to change over time, or otherwise is resilient. And so I think that's the real potential of hempcrete and other natural buildings. Um, and I want to talk about scale and then I'll, and then I'll answer your question or I'll talk about past and fire. So the reason that I shifted from natural building in Missouri to hempcrete has specifically been about scale and about the ability for hempcrete as a natural building project or product to, Transition into mainstream construction. And I love straw bale, big fan of straw bale, but it's not going to do it. Hempcrete has, it's very versatile and it allows us to build it in multiple ways. We can build it on site, cast in place, we can build it on site, spray, we can build it off site by using making blocks, or we can panelize it. And so there's lots of different ways, depending on the project requirements to utilize this material which is awesome and so it has the power that i don't see other natural building wall and roof assemblies having because it is so versatile that scale is valuable when you're talking about trying to change change the way that we're building
0: Indeed, and uh, and I'm even. We're not going to go there because there's so much I want to talk to you about. But we're looking at lumber prices right now, and oh my gosh, was, oh! But the universe is good, liberating hemp <laughs> in the broad light of day to take its place among America's other agricultural commodities, just when we need it really really bad it's awesome (laughs) in walks hemp and jennifer and hempstone oh my god so let's talk for a second about pest and fire and then i want to talk about hempstone sister there is a reason why you're busy
1: okay so i think the reason that um hempcrete is so great i we love we love hemp but uh, lime really is the star of the show here i mean Lime just does so much for us and lime is is ubiquitous in our in, in our world. Lime is in so many different things and it's one of the most abundant materials in the world. Um, so we have a lot of lime. it's just limestone, calcium calcium carbonate, it's just uh, fossilized animals. and so uh, it's it's pretty abundant. And uh, it is what is the powerhouse behind, both the pest resistance and the fire resistance. So
0: and, and on some level, also that hygroscopicity.
1: Yes, absolutely. So you're, I mean, just think of it this way: Lime is a mineral. Minerals don't burn. Minerals are not attractive to animals. So you're taking with hempcrete, you're taking a plant matter, a cellulostic material, and you're coating each one of those cellulostic shards basically, and you're coating it in a fireproof, mold-resistant, pest-resistant material that is going to return to stone.
0: We're mineralizing, we're essentially mineralizing the cellulose. Is that a good way to say it too? Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's the thing to think about when you're talking about hempcrete. It's, it's exciting because we're able to revitalize local agricultural systems. And it's also exciting because you're taking something and you're putting it through a natural lime cycle and you're creating walls that are returning to stone. And that's pretty interesting with the benefit of insulation embedded in it. And it's all biodegradable. If for some reason, 200 years from now, that building doesn't need to exist, it can be exposed to the earth and it will um, it will amend the soil and it does no harm so it is it is supernatural
0: and on so- oh god i love that that's a t-shirt that's a hemp t-shirt right there um, and and on some level And I don't mean to overspeak here, but the reality is on some level that 200 or 700-year-old building, whatever it is, is recyclable in in a way because we can take that hempcrete infill, crush it up, and little by little work it into the new fresh batches of hempcrete. Is that correct?
1: that is correct yes
0: reuse it recycle it put it in the soil i mean the gift that absolutely keeps on giving and then same reason just as a termite or a rodent or a you know an insect or a rodent doesn't like to eat stone therefore it is pest resistant neither does fire have a very good job burning stone can we just talk about that for two seconds
1: yeah absolutely so um there's been a if you if you google hempcrete and fire. You'll see a lot of people throwing a lot of flame torches at hempcrete trying to get it to burn. What it does is it chars the outside and then you can just pick that away and you see fresh hempcrete underneath it. It does not burn. It has no flame spread. Um, It has no ability to catch on fire because again it's encased and in in a non-combustible material.
0: And so when we, as we work in our advocacy uh, with various building and planning departments in our advocacy efforts, get that fire marshal on board, man. Delight and dazzle and amaze the fire marshal and get them on uh, your side. Now, we just talked about it turning to stone. It turned to stone and thereby comes the name Hempstone, the name of your business. And you're very busy because A, all of who, you're offering services and products related to actually making these constructions making these uh these visions a reality and as you well know there are there are plenty right now they're going up crazy in in uh, the european union and in the uk sure. um and certainly in canada and we're we have multiple projects that have existed and continue to exist here and i want you to talk specifically about uh the cape cod project but Right now, I want to uh, discuss some of the services and and the products that you offer at Hempstone. And one of the most important things, and I often say, and I, I just discussed this recently in another interview, was there was a time when, if you were interested in hemp, I would be happy to spend several hours with you. I would talk your ear off. You'd be exhausted about hemp by the time I was done talking. But that ship has sailed <laughs> A lot of interest in hemp now, and I, I wish that I could have those long conversations in time, but there's just, it would be gold diffusion. There was so much work to do, and, and we have to advance uh, and, and march this plant and all that it can do down the field as fast as we can. So, consulting... If you want to discuss uh, your Hemp Creek project, bear in mind that the few, uh, and with Jennifer and Tom are among them, the very few Hemp Creek experts in the United States are very very busy. So their their time is quite valuable. The fact that Hempstone actually offers professional, highly experienced in the natural building world, and been huge leadership in hemp quite already in the last couple of years. Hourly consultation of $62.50 an hour. Folks, schedule this call if you are doing any. You're We're not just talking new construction either. We're talking retrofitting. There are very many creative ways for hempcrete to get into existing projects that that are being remodeled or retrofitted, if you are doing any construction at all of any kind, is it a shed? Is it a home? Is it a mother-in-law? Um, is it a campground bathroom, which you and I uh, spoke about with some wonderful friends in, in upstate New York? You hear any of those things? Do not pass go, do not collect $200, and do not go for the temporary off gassing, inferior performing building materials that are traditionally out there in construction right now. What you want to do is call him Stone and book a consultation. And in fact, you'll see uh, that there are other levels of, of consultation as well. Uh, if the 6250 um, is is a bit f- much for you as you start to think very preliminary plans, maybe you're hearing this show for the first time and thinking, gee, I, I'd like to kick some tires there. Get onto hempstone.net uh, and see what is available for consultation. This is just basically a public service if you ask me at those uh, prices. And then there's Hemp Creek group consultations that you also do from $125 an hour. This is very tremendous. And, and then of course, you've got events and trainings. Can you talk to us a little bit about events and trainings? And then I'm, I'm really excited to talk about some other things around Hempstone?
1: Yeah, so we offer trainings. Um, I think it's really important to not only get a hands-on feel, but to get a hands-on feel about what it would be like with a real structure. And so we're working with small structures that have all the elements of a normal building, a foundation, whether that's a slab or it's on piers, but it's got a foundation, walls, a roof system, doors and windows. So all of your transitions are being uh, seen and addressed. So basically a miniature version of a house is how we design our training so that you can get a sense of what is is the way to build throughout the entire process. We also offer Hempcrete 101 and 301. 101 is an introduction to Hempcrete. And 301 is a deep dive into those design details. So there's the constructability aspect. How are you dealing with the formwork? And how do you think about the eaves and the transitions? And then there's the questions about... your waterproofing details, how it comes up from your, from your foundation and hits in with your wall and how what is, your, what is your finishing, for example, and how to think about those details, material specifications. So we get into some of that in 301.
0: Now you also, on top of the events and the training, you offer design schematic reviews, construction drawing reviews as well. And then if it's if if someone needs both of those services, they actually get a, a deal, a discount for both of those. And so we all know uh, that it takes a major village to deliver on this dream. Uh Jennifer and Tom cannot be at all of these projects. And all of our, our the folks that we love and cooperate with from the USM building. Building Association and other leaders, everyone from Americhandra uh, to Hempitecture and others. None of those folks can actually be at all of these products. Again, I can count on basically two hands at this point, the United States, of folks that I would refer people to for these types of services. And you cannot be everywhere. It's the United States. It's gigantic. (laughs) So it it really boils down to uh, working with the general contractor on the project, working with the architect or the technical designer on the project, and then using these expert services that Hempstone and others the few others uh, have to offer to make that a reality, and so this design schematic review and the construction drawing review, I just think it' it's it's so absolutely critical and important and to have it right out there, we offer these these services and then of course, um the products alone obviously, we can buy construction herd uh, from from hempstone as well as lime and uh, a a wonderful binder binder a french based binder vicat um, a natural cement as it were. and of course we we don't want to misuse that term cement. We're not talking about Portland cement, which takes that amazing limestone and heats it to 3,000 degrees, which is a heck of a carbon footprint um, and is certainly not going to offer us all of those incredible properties that we discussed uh, the hygroscopicity, the thermal energy regulation um, and uh, and so you're offering all of those things, but, going back to it taking a village and folks needing it to be done right. There's nothing, nobody wants to see a failed hempcrete wall after all. What we need is training the workforce and really third-party certification for training the workforce. Can you talk to us a little bit about that uh, vision and goal?
1: Yeah, so now that the pandemic's over, uh, we're getting inquiries left and right about a training People are interested in training, and I get a common question, which is, "Do you offer a certification?" And there is currently no third-party certification for hempcrete. So, if if I were to offer a certification, it'd only be as good as the paper it's written on, and that doesn't do anybody any good. But the U.S. Hemp Building Association has been working diligently for the last couple of years to really promote hempcrete. And we've got some big fish to fry. We are developing an ASTM standard, yes, helping to get it into the code. Like we're doing some big things, but we also are wanting to make sure that anyone who's providing a training is providing some minimum basic information um, in their training. And we actually want to see a nice, robust series of trainings so that we can um, quantify what it means to have a training. And I'm very happy to be working with others in the U.S. Hemp Building Association to um, move that forward and develop a certification program that can be offered by the U.S. Hemp Building Association as a third-party independent verifier for anyone that's interested in doing hemp creek trainings. And it's very exciting.
0: It's so exciting. It's the real kind of chopping of the wood and carrying of the water. And and again, just delivering on this promise and making it happen, working in tandem together. It's so incredibly important. Another thing that I forgot to mention that I want to make sure I do because it just lights me up. uh, Obviously, not only are you incredibly experienced and and an expert in the natural building world, but have taken the hempcrete world by storm. uh, And on those rare occasions when you don't, don't know the answer. Hempstone, of course, works with Alex Piaf of UK Hemp Creed, a global expert. Um, and you've got Alex on speed dial. In many ways, he's part of the Hempstone team. Is that correct?
1: Yes, we do. He's he's very sweet. He always answers my texts, and I have no qualms about texting him whenever I have a question. Um, Alex has been great. He, um, he joined with us to promote uh, Hempcrete through the NESI, which is the Northeast Sustainable Energy Association. We did two series of webinars, the Hempcrete 101 and 201 for building professionals. So very much focused on buildability, constructability, design, detailing, and that has been super helpful. And he's consulted with us on se- several of our first projects out here.
0: He's wonderful. And of course, uh, a very important member of the U.S. Hemp Building Association, all the way from from across the pond. Um, Some really, really wonderful people all coming together around uh, what I really feel, you know, it's almost like I I hate to betray hemp by saying it's the most important of them all. but, But we've got these a housing crisis where we're in climate change, we have people experience homeless, experiencing homelessness left and right, and, and municipalities using the cost of construction um, and the vulnerabilities of construction in terms of it not being mold, rot, fire, pest resistant, and lasting very long as excuses not to shelter those who need help with shelter. This really is the answer in so many ways. It also will provide so much economic stability for the farmer and contribute to to the the improvement and healing of the climate here we're talking about a carbon sequestering plant and a carbon sequestering you know building material I could go on and on it is so so important um, Jennifer, it is such a complete joy uh, to be able to work with you, to know you. I'm so thrilled to, to see how everything is going to unfold um, as we move forward in our journeys together with our love of, of natural building of hemp and, and, and particularly of Hempcrete, uh, Sister. And before we go, I want to ask, is there is there a question I didn't ask or something that you really want to make sure you tell the listeners before we, we part and have you back on again?
1: Yes, please. Um, So we were privileged to be a part of the Cape Cod project, uh, um, which is a second hempcrete project in Massachusetts. We were intimately involved in the first hempcrete project in Massachusetts. But this one, we got to be learners in a way. Um, uh, Lorraine Goudet of France came with his machine that he designed, a spray hempcrete machine, and led the installation on a significant hempcrete house um, doing both the roofs and the walls and um, plans to do actually interior basement walls as well. Um, designed by Trittington, Estes, and Trombley and uh, overseen by C.H. Newton builders out in um, eastern Massachusetts. We were the labor force for this. Lorraine wasn't able to bring his team of French uh, hempcrete installers, so we were able to come and rally together. And one of the things that I really love about Hempstone, and especially in this new industry, is that We're so collaborative. Um, So we pool. We got together with um, other experts. um, Cameron from Americhandra, Shelby from Village Carpentry, who was the builder for the first hempcrete house in Massachusetts. That we taught how to do hempcrete. He came out. um, We had a beautiful group of probably thirteen different people who came out over seven weeks and installed. Um, the hempcrete and then did the exterior lime render which is an air tightness render that will actually be covered with a a vernacular cedar shake siding so it's going to look traditional it's going to look like every other cape cod house but it's got a natural rather than a synthetic air barrier Um, and it was a joy to do it was a joy to learn a new machine and a new application system and what i learned about Hempcrete spray apply is—you can put a significant amount of material in a wall or in a roof in a day, and that's what I mean about scale. And so it's pretty fascinating. That's what—that's the, the power of hempcrete. Jennifer, I can't believe that I did not
0: remember to ask you more about the Cape Cod project. Thank you so much for telling the listeners about that beautiful uh, project. I really cannot wait to go and see that structure myself. I grew up, of course, in New England. I was born in Boston. Cape Cod is one of my favorite places on earth. I'm going to be tracking uh, this structure down and and sneaking in. As we know, most folks these days who have hempcrete structures do do not like all of the public gawking. They like their project privacy. Well, um, th- but this
1: project is special. You can actually read about it now. Capecodhemphouse.com. Oh,
0: love it. Okay, I'm getting on it as soon as we get off this recording. Fantastic, capecodhemphouse.com. Folks, we're going to have also uh, Jennifer and Tom's and Hempstone's assets on our website, podconnects, P-O-D-C-O-N-X.com. And certainly please visit them at hempstone.net. I cannot wait to have you back on. We'll have Tom on as well. Jennifer, thank you for everything you do, everything you are. And I'm looking forward to our next encounter her sister, I love you. You're the best. I love you
1: back, <laughs> sweetie. Till next time. Till next time. Take great care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.